Welcome to our sermon podcast here at City of Light Anglican Church. We are a new church in Aurora, Illinois, finding a new day in Jesus. We want to see the light of Jesus rise and shine in our hearts, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Would you guys pray pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so privileged to be in your house this morning and in your presence. And we pray that we would encounter your word this morning as something that's alive and that reveals who you are to us. I pray that it would be close. We love you, Lord, and be with us. Help us to understand this by the power of your spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Um, Trevor and Bonnie are at home because they had a baby, which is awesome, and my name is Scott. Uh, If you haven't met me, I'm on staff helping out with City of Light uh, really over the next year or so, but Marissa and I, my wife, who's helping lead worship, will particularly be helping out while they are paternity-ing and maternity-leaving. So um, we will be around and are really excited to just kind of get to help out. So if you've been coming consistently over the past I don't know, a month or so, we've been in a Relate series, and we've been thinking about how God has built us for relationships and to relate to each other and to relate to different things. Um, And I don't know if you've noticed this, but in each of those situations, God kind of gives us the example for how we're supposed to relate to something or someone. So for example, um, we learn how to parent by thinking about the ways that God treats us as a father. Uh, Trevor talked about how we learn how to relate to our spouse by the example of Jesus and his church. Like, you remember Trevor said they're like little pictures of the gospel. Um, and so we will learn to relate to anything that's below us or above us or our peer because of the example of Jesus. Which is all that to say God teaches us how to relate to one another by showing us. I don't know if you guys have caught that. But what about Friendship. When Trevor, I got the friendship sermon in this series, and I was like, friendship? Like, you know, I could preach a sermon on, like, how to be a good friend, but does God relate to us in friendship? I started honestly asking those questions. When I was in high school, the Jesus is my homeboy t-shirts were really big. You guys know what I'm talking about? I feel like that was like a 2000s fad. Um, But, like, I'm not really sure if that's what it is, (laughs) you know? Um, So I started thinking about that, and does God relate to us in friendship? And if so... What does Christian biblical friendship look like? Is that even a thing? So I was asking those questions, and um, turns out God, the creator of everything you see, actually does relate to you in friendship in like really awesome and profound ways. And it has everything to do with the way that we relate to one another. It's really cool. So This morning, we're going to think about two things. How does God relate to us in friendship? And then two, how then are we meant to relate to others in friendship because of that? Does that make sense? Two points. It's pretty simple. Um, In order to do that, we're going to focus on that passage from John uh, that was read, and it is just beautiful. And Jesus talks about both of those things, about the way that he relates to us in friendship and then how we're to love one another because of that. Um, it's, it's really cool. Excited about talking about it with you guys. So before we, we dive in, and I would love for you to, to get your Bible and open up to John 15, and we'll, we'll get there in a second. 
Uh, it's John 15, verses 12 to 17, and I actually really want to walk through it with you. So um, pull it open on a cell phone or something. There are other Bibles up there if you don't have one, but I would love for you to have your nose in this with me as we kind of walk through it. Um, before we get into this, just a little bit about the context. Um, I love war movies. Anybody else who, who likes war movies out there? Okay, Rachel, at least one person. You probably have all seen one, and there's a basic formula for, for war movies that I can understand it, and it's this. You always have a pre-enlistment scene. Usually somebody's getting into trouble, like on the farm or in a bar or something. Then you have the boot camp scene montage where it's like training. And then you have a first battle where it's kind of successful, but it's kind of funny because stuff goes wrong, but they still work it out. And then they get better. And then they get defeated at some point in a bad battle, which makes them really angry. And then there's a final huge battle. It's kind of, it's like my trademark of a war movie kind of, the way it works. But before the last battle, there's always a, a conversation between the guys who have kind of gone the whole journey. And it could be in a tank or in a trench. It's not necessarily like the pump up, rousing conversation from the captain on the horse or something, but guys who are on the brink of, of going out into potentially death and fighting and what's coming, and they're talking with each other. Here's where we've come, you know. If I ever told you about my dad, you know, like that conversation. You guys know what I'm talking about? That conversation, okay. This part of John is just like that conversation between Jesus and his disciples. So um, Jesus is celebrating the Passover for the last time with his disciples, literally hours before he is betrayed and then goes to the cross by his own will. And he has traveled everywhere with these guys for three years. They are his dearest friends. And he is their beloved teacher. And Jesus, knowing he's willingly about to go to the cross, sitting with these guys, having this final dinner, reminds them of everything he's taught them. He, is, he encourages them for the future. He kind of summarizes a lot. And it actually lasts from chapter 13 all the way to chapter 17. So it's a big, long conversation. And right in the middle of it is this little passage, and he calls them friends. And Jesus calling them friends would have been a bombshell to these guys because God did not call ordinary people friends, typically. So this is something really fresh and new that Jesus is saying to these guys and to us this morning. So if you're there, grab your Bible. I actually want to read it again. Everybody there? Kind of? On a, on a device or something like that. So we'll start in verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So the first thing I want to look at, like I said, is how does God relate to us in friendship from this passage? And I think there are really three major themes that define the friendship of God and what Jesus is saying. So if you're a note taker like me, this is like the first point, and then there are three sub points. Because I'm always like tapping Marissa, like, 
was the second thing he said? So there's three of these. Uh, the first is this, number one. Jesus befriends us first. Jesus befriends us first. So if you look in verse 15, Jesus says, I have called you friends. And he adds in verse 16, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. There's a theme in the Bible that Jesus always moves toward us first. As John says elsewhere, it's not that we all love God, but that he loved us first. And that is a broader biblical concept, and it's really deep, but I think it's also particular to friendship here. Jesus is saying, we didn't just organically become friends at the carpentry shop. I moved towards you and called you and chose you for friendship. This is amazing. So think about it this way. A lot of our friendships, our normal friendships, happen really organically. It's like you go over to somebody's house and you're eating dinner and you look on a shelf and they have preserved like every VHS of Star Trek ever recorded. And you're like, dude, did we just become best friends, you know? <laughs> this is not really what's happening. So this is more like this. I, wanna, I want you to imagine somebody in your work, if you work, if you're in school, maybe it's a teacher or a principal. If you don't work, somebody that you really look up to that's higher than you on the food chain. So at my last job, it would have been like the director of our whole market or something like that. But somebody that you respect, I legitimately want you to think of somebody in your head. So give me some knots. Do you guys have somebody that you're thinking of? Okay. You are not going to naturally just go to that person's office. I'm not going to go to my market director's office and bust in the door and be like, hey, man, let's go to Buffalo Wild Wings and watch the World Series. Uh, I wouldn't do that because it's not my place, Right. What Jesus is saying here, it would be like that person dropping by your cubicle or office or whatever and saying like, hey, Rachel, I want to be your friend. Let's, let's go get coffee tomorrow morning. It's exactly like that. And for me, at every job I've ever had, including the last one I had and now all that stuff, that would be astonishing, right? That would be crazy. You'd be like, wait, what? Like, not like, come, I want to meet you, you've done something wrong, but like, can we, just hang, can we just hang out, right? That would change my day. I would go home and tell Marissa about it. It would change my week, maybe even my entire tenure at that job or school. Does that make sense, the difference there? That is what Jesus is saying here to these guys before he goes to the cross. He's saying, I've chosen you guys. I have called you friends. And it has nothing to do with who you are or what you've done. I've moved towards you first. Beautiful, beautiful thing. Notice it does say in verse 14, if you look at your Bible, you are my friends if you do what I command. But that's not a prerequisite, and I think that's important for us to get. It's just a common sense response. If Rachel's boss came to her, which is Trevor, but think about a different world where Rachel works at a, and doesn't live with, you know, in the same house as her boss and stuff. Um, but if your boss asked you to coffee and you said no, you wouldn't be friends, right? That's just kind of the way that works. Obedience is a response to his friendship, and, but Jesus, out of his amazing, amazing grace, befriends you, full stop, for no reason. He moves first. And if it would be amazing for your CEO or your principal to do that, how much more amazing is it that God, who created us and everything here, has moved towards you in friendship? It's amazing. That's the first way God relates to us in friendship, he befriends us first. Number two, Jesus reveals himself to his friends. Jesus reveals himself to his friends. So 
Look at verse 15 with me again, if you've got your Bible open. Jesus says this, no longer do I call you servants because servants don't know what their master's doing. They got no idea what his business is. But, and listen to this, I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my father, I've made known, I've made known to you. Jesus is saying, this isn't a transactional relationship. I'm not here to just tell you what to do and leave. I've invited you into an intimate friendship, into my inner confidence and thought life. This is crazy. So go back to your boss or favorite teacher. Pick up that person in your mind again. This would be like you usually meet with them and they're like, this is business. What are you doing? We're going to do this next quarter, blah, 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 blah. But then one time when you're, when you're drinking coffee, there's a pause and all of a sudden the boss starts talking to you about his or her family life and says, you know, what do you think about this? Don't tell anyone I'm telling you this but I'm thinking about doing this in the company or in the, you know, whatever. But we kind of know how those conversations go. That happens sometimes. And when that does, you're thinking, this person is no longer relating to me as a mere coworker. I'm a, you're, you're confiding in me. You're revealing things to me as a friend. Does that make sense? There's a difference there. So turns out that part of friendship, that type of conversational closeness is the hallmark of biblical friendship. And let me explain what I mean by that. This is really cool. This was one of the things that has impacted me most this week. There are two people in the Bible in the Old Testament that are called friend. Abraham and Moses. Those are the only people that are ever called a friend of God. And in both their situations, it was this type of conversational closeness. God speaking to these people that was the hallmark of them being like, this guy is my friend. So one time God stops by Abraham's house in a really cool, bizarre story in the Old Testament on his way to Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's walking with Abraham and he's going to Sodom and Gomorrah and God says, why shouldn't I reveal to Abraham what I'm gonna do? Like, why don't we just let him in on the skinny of the situation? And so he goes on to talk to Abraham and then listens to Abraham's input on the situation. They like have a conversation about it, which doesn't happen often. But in the Old Testament, God calls Abraham his friend. It's amazing. Moses is very similar. And that was the passage that we read this morning uh, from Exodus. So when the people of Israel were traveling with the tabernacle, God would speak to Moses in what was called the tent of, of meeting. It was this tent where Moses would go to speak with God no one else got that privilege. The whole assembly would be here. And then a pillar of cloud would come over this tent and Moses would go inside and speak with God. And did you catch that one verse in the, in the passage this morning? It says this, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. It's crazy. So think about this. For, for Abraham and Moses, that was an immense privilege but no one else got that access. So imagine that every week you guys are here and you see Trevor like go behind a tent and then all of a sudden fire comes down over it and then he like talks to God and then comes back out. For a long time, that happened forever. And the people are there. It's not a bad thing. It was just a privilege. Are looking at, at Moses speak to God as a friend. That is just the way that it has always been done. But think about what Jesus is saying. This is why this is so crazy. 
He's saying, you're not like servants who I just tell what to do, right? I've called you friends because I have revealed to you all that my Father has made known to me. Translation, you get even more access to the heart of God than Moses or Abraham. Because of Jesus, when Jesus was crucified, that, that curtain was in the temple, but it tore, right? At that point, with God's spirit inside of us and the scriptures that he has revealed to us, we have more access into the heart of God, into the mysteries of God than either of those men got. Jesus is saying, that's the type of relationship we have. I speak to you. That might sound too good to be true. I know that's like crazy that God would invite you into his inner confidence, but we have to take Jesus at his word here. That's what he's saying. God has called us friends. He has chosen us for friendship. He's revealed to us himself in the scriptures. We pray to him and dialogue with him. That's the type of relationship he's saying that we have. So that's number two. Jesus reveals himself to friends. The third thing, number three, that defines Jesus' friendship toward us is this. Jesus sacrifices himself for his friends. So look back at your Bible with me in verse 13. This is a super famous passage. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. I always thought that passage sounds confusing. Like, greater love has no one than this. Like, what's the grammar there? It's an awkward translation, but it really means something like this. And nobody got any love better than this. Like, nobody can top this. That somebody would lay down their life for their friend. He's like, that is the best. Nobody's got anything better than that. This is one of the most precious verses in scripture because it's, it's the good news, right? Jesus spoke these things to his friends and then went directly to the cross and offered himself up to be killed for the sake of these people and us that we could be reunited to God in friendship. So that's what he's saying. But sometimes um, ideas from the Bible can get super abstract. You hear people saying like, God loves you or... Um, Jesus is your friend, and those are just like, how in the world is that like embodied? Like, that's just like an abstract idea. The cool part, the amazing part about Jesus is that his words are never just words. They are always backed up by demonstration, by action. So Jesus says he is our friend and then proves it by going to the cross. He doesn't just speak that to his buddies. He literally says it and then walks to the cross. So the friendship of Jesus is not just an idea. They're words that are spoken over you and then proven through blood, sweat, and a wooden cross. Don't let this just be an idea because it was not for Jesus. This is not just a concept for Jesus. So if you go back to your boss or or teacher, pick that person back up in your mind. This would be like him calling you out for friendship moving towards you first, inviting you into his inner confidence and thought life. And then when you had messed up at work, right, you just completely botched something and it was worthy of your being fired. It would be like him taking the blame instead of you and getting fired at your expense. At that point, you wouldn't just know that this person was your friend. Your life would be changed. If something like that happened and you literally saw somebody do something like that for you, That would just, I don't even know how I would respond to that if somebody actually did something like that for me. 
I've heard stories about men at war who have a, like a fellow soldier save their life at the expense of their own and die. And those guys come back and devote themselves to taking care of that person's family or like honoring their name. That's like a very common thing that happens because you feel so indebted to a friend that's laid down their life for you. That is exactly what Jesus is saying here. And as the old hymn says, which we're going to sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. Amen? That's amazing. This is what Christians call the gospel. If you ever hear people say like the gospel, like this is the heart of the gospel. So there's so much more we could say about this, but those are three things that I think help us wrap our minds, just actually put some flesh on the bones of what it means that God relates to us as a friend. He befriends us first. He moves towards us. Then he reveals himself to us. He speaks openly with us. And then he proves it. He lays down his life for us. And before we go anywhere else, the major application of this, what we do with this, if you will, is to just receive the friendship of Jesus. To know it, to actually relish it and believe it. And like Jesus says, just like I was talking about those guys at war that had that something happen to them, to respond to that in obedience. Do you guys know? Do you, do you believe that this is true? And I wonder if some of you think of your relationship with the Lord more like a servant. For me personally, that is my ditch. That's where I struggle. I tend to think of I serve God, which I do, um, but that it's as a servant. He kind of tells me what to do, and I'm, I'm kind of doing his bidding. But Jesus is really challenging that. Jesus is really pressing into that, saying, like, you're not just friends. This is not just a transactional, like, you work for me. I've called you friend. That, that, is a, that is convicting to me. We need to hear that. And some of you may have never heard that Jesus has actually taken a step towards you. He's moved towards you in friendship. This is an amazing thing. And if, if you're, you're new to this, I would grab me or somebody else at this church. We are all learning how to grow in friendship with one another. That is what we're trying to do at this church. Or grow in friendship with one another, but grow in friendship with the Lord. That is a huge part of what City of Light is about. So at groups, when, when uh, Trevor talks about discipleship, that is together learning how to grow in that friendship with the Lord because it's not a static thing. So that is what we are trying to do here is grow in our friendship with the Lord as we grow with one another. Um, we could talk about that for days, but we need to get to, to the second point, which is how then are we to relate to one another in friendship? And like I said at the beginning about the series in general, God teaches us how to relate to others by showing us, right? And it's the exact same here. So grab your Bible and look at this with me real quick, because I think this is fascinating. Look at verse 12. So the beginning of this paragraph, and then look at verse 17. They're basically the same and say something like, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. They're a little bit different, but they're basically the same. Love one another as I've loved you. So that basically makes this whole passage a huge sandwich, okay? Verse 12 is like a bun where Jesus says, I've loved you in this way, love one another. And then he talks about everything we just said, all the amazing meaty ways that he is related to us in friendship and then he gives you another bun on the bottom, which is love one another like that. It's amazing. The other thing I want you to notice, look in verse 16. He doesn't just say, I chose you to be my friend. It doesn't just stop there. Like, I've picked you for my holy huddle. That is not what Jesus is saying. 
If you look, he says, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Translation, I just didn't call you to be my friend. I called you and gave you a fruit-bearing job that you would love others and treat others like I am loving you. There's this enormous chain of love in the book of John where the father treats Jesus in a certain way, Jesus treats us in that way, and then asks us to do that to other people. So if you have your Bible open, I know I'm getting your nose in the Bible a lot, but if you look at verse 9, which is not in our text, verse 9 says, as the Father loved me, so I've loved you. And then Jesus, hanging out with his buddies, says, as I've loved you, love one another. Do you guys see that? It's amazing. So that's what's going on here. And you're probably connecting the dots, but all this means that we're to turn to the world in friendship and the ways that Jesus relates to us in friendship. So I actually just want to walk back through those three things we just said and think about what it has to do with us. So it's pretty easy, but here we go. Number one. So this is the three points under the second sub point, if you are a super logical note taker like me. Number one, how are we to relate to one another in friendship? Be a first befriender. That's not a word, but I just made it up, and it is now. Um, Be a first befriender. Basically, because Jesus has called us friends for nothing we've done, and regardless of who we are, we are then liberated to move towards others in friendship in the same way. All of us have this innate human instinct for like friend choosing and friend making. Do you remember when you walked onto a bus as a kid for the first time and like experienced the like, ah, like same goes for the cafeteria or anything. You're immediately thinking like, those people look weird. I don't want to get stuck over there. Like they look cool, but I could never walk up to them and sit next to them because that'd be terrifying. Like who are these people? Oh my gosh, there's empty seats, all that kind of stuff. Friend politics is a real thing. <laughs> friend politics is a very real thing. Uh, it, it, we do it just naturally, whether you are six or you're 60, that never goes away. But the way Jesus has loved us, if you understand the things we just said, flips all of that on its head. It crushes friend politics. He actually talks about it one time, Jesus does himself, when he goes to a party with a bunch of really cool religious people in Luke 14. I love this. And he's there, and there are all these really awesome, you know, la creme de la creme of the Jewish society sitting there having dinner. And I just imagine Jesus is like in the corner just kind of watching the friend politics happen. And he looks at all the people who are invited and says, hey, this is ridiculous. When you guys go to a party, choose the lowest seat in the house. Go sit by the person. I'm adding this here, but I imagine it, it works. Go sit by the person next to the lowest seat in the house. Quit trying to choose kind of where you fit in in the, you know, the food chain of a dinner party. But then he looks at the person who threw the party and says, and you, you're not off the hook either. He says, next time you throw a party, don't invite all the cool people who will pay you back and who you like and naturally fit in with. Invite, he actually says this, go invite the outcasts of society. That is the way to actually throw a party. All in all, if we're going to love people like Jesus loved us, it means we aren't just going to be passive in friendship. Just loving people who naturally fit with kind of what we like. It means we will be active choosers. We will be on the front foot of our friendship with people who might be way different than us and we wouldn't normally want to be friends with. Just because Jesus has been a friend towards us, we'll be first befrienders. Here's a great example of this. Um, 
how many of you were at Revive this past weekend? I'll explain what that is. So some of us were. Revive was a conference with a bunch of different churches in our area that we're a part of. It was awesome. But you've got all these people from churches all over the place. And there's some really important people with crazy names like Canon and Venerable and all kinds of cool stuff like that. And um, you have lunch, and it's this big room. And for those of you who are there, you can attest to this. And you walk out with your dinner, and then there's just a sea, like a room that's like five times as big as this with just tables of people eating. And you know like three people. And you're immediately like, oh my gosh, you know. The friend politics things kicks in when you start thinking about, man, he's really cool and important and influential. I really want to go maybe kind of sit by him and hopefully I can have a conversation with him or her. That person, I don't know them or whatever. You, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? This shatters that. Where when you are thinking and living into the gospel in this way, you walk into that room and you're thinking, who am I, who, who can I bless by going to sit next to and talking to? Who can I like personally befriend that maybe is not sitting next to all the coolest people in this room. Does that make sense? So that's just a small example. Your life is like that cafeteria room. Every day you are walking into different situations where you are making those decisions and confronting those things. And this is meant to just shatter the need to worry about all that stuff and gives you the impetus to choose people for friendship, to say, hey, I know that you don't have a lot of friends that maybe are like me or that whatever, but I'm calling you a friend. I'm going to move towards you and just choose you for friendship. That happens here and that happens in the world with people who are not here and who aren't Christians or whatever. Um, so I, last thing I would say about that too, as as far as God's family, we are a family. And as far as friendship goes, you do not get to choose and pick who is your friends in the household of God. Amen. Um, you know how at a family reunion, there's always quirky aunts and uncles. Everybody has one. And if you're thinking, my family doesn't have any quirky aunts and uncles, it's you. That's right. It's, it is true of, of everybody. But you don't get to choose that they don't come to your family reunion. And in fact, they bring color and you love them. You know, it's like Kramer and Seinfeld. It's like, why wouldn't you want that character to be in your life? But in the household of God, you do not get to choose who your friends are. We love the church and we are full of all of us and all of us are quirky and weird, but that is the way that the church is to act towards one another. We absolutely ought to be on our front foot towards everybody in this room because we are the, the household of God. So that was number one. Number two is this, be a truth-telling friend. Number one was be a first befriender. Still can't say it. Number two is be a truth-telling friend. Basically, in the same way that Jesus invites us into his inner confidence, like we talked about, and reveals everything to us, we're to do that towards our friends as well. And I think this has two applications. On the one hand, the Bible is full of, and I've heard a lot of good sermons about friendship like this, about um, honestly just telling the truth to your friends. There's a proverb that says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, are the wounds of a friend. Profuse, or like nasty, are the kisses of an enemy. Be honest with one another. Friends are people who actually tell you the truth. So rebuke one another. Expect that. Love that. Speak truth. Speak affirmation towards one another. Preach the gospel to one another. That's like a really important part of friendship. But second, and what I really think this passage in particular is calling us into, is to reveal Jesus to friends in the same way that he reveals him to us. Jesus says, Everything 
the Father told me I have revealed to you. That's amazing. There's a lot of parts of the New Testament where they talk about mysteries that were previously unknown have now been made known. And you guys are privy to that knowledge. You've been invited into the mysteries of God. And therefore, you are to invite others into that as well. Does that make sense? We are not being good friends if we are not doing that to one another and revealing Jesus in the way that he revealed us. So go out, choose people to be your friends, move towards them, even if they won't give you anything in return, and reveal to them what Jesus has revealed to you. That's friendship. So finally, last but not least, number three, be a sacrificial Jesus invites us all to sacrifice ourselves for our friends in the same way that he did. Words, friendship by itself is cheap if it's not proven. I can tell my wife I love her all day, but if I don't prove that, that never manifests itself, it means nothing. And the Bible is the greatest example of how God always acts on his words. Um, Listen to this verse from 1 John 3.16. It's not John 3.16, it's 1 John 3.16. It's a different book in the Bible. But the Bible defines love by sacrifice. I feel like our culture has no idea how to define love. Uh, that's, let's just like all agree to that. The Bible has a very, very clear and tactile definition of what love is, and it is sacrifice. So this is what the passage says. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to, lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. What a powerful, just compact little passage. So go find someone who is in need or doesn't have many friends and call them a friend. Reveal to them everything that Jesus has revealed to you and then lay down your life for that person. Sacrifice yourself for that person. This could be time or money, and we all know that time is more important than money, right? What's more important? Uh, Present really expensive present from a family member that you don't often get to see for Christmas or somebody like cutting out their schedule to actually come and be with you. 10 out of 10 times, that one matters. If you're a kid with your parents, spouses, anything, time is the most important. Time, money, plans, place at the dinner table, anything. Lay down your life for your friends. Let that manifest itself. Could even mean entering into someone else's pain and suffering to the extent that it begins to affect you. That's friendship. That's what happens. We're called to lay down our life for the sake of our friends because Jesus did. So be a sacrificial friend. And we should be the kind of the church that, like Jesus, has dirt under our fingernails. We should be a church that has sweat and tears and blood on our clothes like Jesus did because he was that kind of a friend. And I know that this church is like that, but this is a charge to continue to be that, that kind of a church. Relate to Aurora in that type of way. So to conclude, we thought about how Jesus relates to us in friendship and God. In three ways. He moves towards us first. He calls you out. Chooses you for friendship. And then he invites you into his inner confidence. He speaks with you like a friend. And then finally, he sacrifices himself for you. I think just, just pray about that this week. Do you, do you feel that? This is not just me like preaching a sermon anymore. Like this is a real thing, guys. Jesus is saying this. I like didn't make this up. Jesus is saying, you're not just a servant. You relate to me as a friend. That is how 
my relationship with you is. Meditate on that this week. Think about that. I think that's something that we, we have to get first before we can ever even begin to think about what it means for us to be friends with one another. If you don't get that, why would you feel liberated when you walk into the conference cafeteria to go choose and sit by somebody who maybe is not your first choice for a friend? The way that you do that is when you are completely wrecked by the way that Jesus has related to you. You're just shattered by it. And then, just like Jesus says, we respond to his friendship and obedience. We're his friends if we do what we say, or if we do what he says. And a really practical way that Jesus gives us is to just love people like he's loved us. So like I said, be a first befriender. Reveal Jesus to your friends in the same way that he revealed him to you. If you have friends and you're thinking, I don't want to offend this person by talking about Jesus because it might upset them. The worst way to be a friend is to not reveal Jesus to a friend that you, to not reveal knowledge, to not reveal the mysteries of God that you've been invited into to someone else just because you're, you know, don't want to do it or something. That is not being a good friend. We love people by being open and revealing Jesus to others. And finally, be a sacrificial friend. Let that manifest itself in you laying down your life for others. Um, Marissa and I have been so impressed with the church here and the way that you guys love one another. I, I, this is like in some ways not just an encouragement. This is not something that I don't think you do. But there are a lot of open seats here. And one of the things that I know Trevor and Bonnie have talked about a bunch and that we've talked about a bunch with a bunch of you is what it looks like to just be a friend to Aurora. There are people who do not know the friendship of God in the city of Aurora. And there are people who don't even know the types of friendships that we're talking about here with another person. My dad was recently in a, in a community of people talking about Jesus, and they came from a different culture, but they had never been told that God loved them, and they had never been told that somebody loved them from somebody else. Their whole life, these are grown men who had never been told by somebody, I love you. Um, I'm not saying that Aurora or Chicago is like that, but there are a lot of people who don't know this. And we are freed up by Jesus moving towards us first to move towards our friends and to our neighborhoods to befriend them. Um, we will have prayer ministers at the side. And just if you're thinking about this or if things are stirred up in you, I would encourage you to, to get prayer this morning. What a friend we have in Jesus. Amen. Let me uh, close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to know and taste your friendship. I pray, Lord, that we would know that these words are true words. They are real words. They are words that have been proven in flesh and blood. You don't just say this kind of thing. It manifests itself in the cross and what you've done for us, and we are to respond. So I pray that you would speak to us, Lord. Help us to know. We love you. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from City of Light Anglican Church. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at cityoflightanglican.org. And now, may the light of Jesus scatter the darkness from before your path.